Well, welcome back to you here on the Damon Bruce channel, uh, Damon Bruce Plus on YouTube. It isn't quite the Damon Bruce show. It's even a little bit better than that because we like to do a little something we call the home and home with our good friend Larry Kruger, who stops on by once again as we uh, update you on everything you need to know about the Warriors and even the San Francisco Giants got a little information to share tonight. Larry, always a pleasure, my man. How are you? Having a great Tuesday, Damon. Good to see you. Uh, not great Tuesday for the Warriors, but a great Tuesday for the Giants. Casey Schmidt has gone yard, and the era has begun. The mighty Casey. Um, mighty Casey at the bat. I said they should have gone with him out of spring training. They didn't listen to me, but here we are. It's May 9th, and they finally figured it out. Hey, you know what? Big home run. Congratulations to him. I'm sure Farhan has already figured out a way to get him out of the lineup as soon as possible. As soon as there's a platoon opportunity, you're going to have to do that. But <laughs> Now, look, uh, it's a great story. He's got uh, a ton of family in the ballpark tonight, so good feelings around a team that is, you know, delightfully average. That's who the Giants are, and, and we'll have all summer to talk about them, Larry. We all know what the big story was here today, and that is the 3-1 hole that the dynasty finds itself in after dropping two games in a row in Los Angeles. Game five tomorrow night at Chase Center, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm sure you agree, I expect the Warriors to win, and then it's game six. That's where the whole year is going to take a turn. I'm I'm almost giving them game five, which is maybe even a little more credit than they deserve right now. But I am going to lean on memories and who they are when they're at home to think that they carry game five. See what you can do in game six, and then it's anybody's ball game in game seven if you actually win that. It's not out of the question, but there are more memories telling me the Warriors can actually do this than data points from the season they're actually in right now saying that they can do this. Do you think they got a puncher's chance still in this series down three games? Yeah, it's all. I mean, um, I think the Lakers are going to do them a favor. I think the Lakers are going to because LeBron's old and limping and because I just think they're they're at that point in their in their I don't know. I mean, I just think they're they're the kind of team that I think is going to put put out a very weak game five effort now the lakers have beaten the warriors head to head a lot this year the warriors have only beaten them one time all year so in a way you could say hey you know what it's just a bad matchup and the lakers just have the warriors number and it's going to continue in, in the next game but i think the lakers you know pace themselves uh, i thought i saw the intensity in game two i thought it was awful so i think they'll have more game two like intensity and I like the Warriors to win the next game, game five, big. Um, then it they gets might need a in, little basketball Illuminati to help them through a game six win. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, and then it comes down to game six, and it's all about, you know, game six in L.A. And, um, you know, I who do you, who do you think is going to win that? I mean, the Warriors have, have not been able to win there. They don't play well there. Um, and it's this is not really the warrior team that I thought we were going to be talking about when the playoffs began. So it's not the same team. It's a worse team. Um, and so, um, 
you know, it's the, the, I, if you'd asked me at the beginning of the year or beginning of the playoffs, I would have said, yeah, this, I like the situation. I'm feel fine in this situation. Warriors will win game five. They'll figure out a way to win game six, you know, and they'll win game seven on their home floor and they'll find a way to do it. But you know what? This ain't that team. Kuminga's not even on this team anymore. Uh, pool is just totally shattered confidence. Um, they, their, their bench is short. They're not playing well. Um, Wiggins doesn't look like the Wiggins of last year. Draymond only looks like a ferocious competitor when he's not playing his good buddy LeBron. I mean, he was literally, he's helping AD off the deck. He just didn't, he, you know, one of the elements that makes Draymond Draymond, he doesn't have in this series, which is his ferocious, unbelievable competitive streak. He doesn't, he can't bring that against LeBron because he's probably going to be playing with LeBron next year. And it seems like maybe that's, he's getting an early start on it. So I don't know. Clay Thompson's not the same player that he was. Can they circle the wagons? Yeah. Will they? I don't think so. I think they'll win game five and then lose game six. Yeah, that's kind of the way I see it, too. And look, I hope we're both wrong because a game seven on Mother's Day would be, well, it would really screw up a lot of people's Mother's Day plans. I can tell you that right now. But it would be an incredible event. And, you know, Larry, I know that there's a ton of woe is me you know, you got all these bootlicking radio hosts on both stations looking at this through only the prism of a Warriors loss. And, man, I think that this is where you and I, you know, have a valuable level of experience that the conversation needs here. Because one of the things that I emphasized before we got into, look, whenever you have a one possession loss in a playoff game, you can dissect everything to infinity, right? I mean, you can. there, there is not a moment in the game that the game couldn't have turned on if the entire game turns on one bucket. So there was a ton of stuff to talk about and lost in all of everybody quickly complaining or bitching about this, that, the other thing is the fact that this is an unbelievable slice of NBA history that we got going on in front of us. We really have something special here. LeBron versus the Warriors is a generation's warped version of bird versus magic of jordan versus the pistons of you know what used to be you know a a one-on-one a mano a mano or a team versus team in this rivalry has turned into one man multiple franchises excellence in every zip code he's played in against one man who's never left the zip code he's played in and was so excellent he helped rewrite the course of nba history with the style of play that his dynasty had so much success with and stood in the way of so much of LeBron's success. I mean, it, it it is one of the great rivalries in all of basketball. LeBron versus the Warriors, and we are either going to get LeBron James chin-checking the entire NBA, saying, I'm still here in the next Lakers win, or the Golden State Warriors, who I don't think are going to be winning the NBA title this year, will have one of the most noble, beloved chapters of their entire dynasty if they actually rattle off three in a row here. No matter how this ends, we have NBA history unfolding in front of us, and I just hope people appreciate it. You know, I mean, it sucks that the Warriors lost last night, but you had Curry going at LeBron and AD in a pick and roll, like by himself. And getting a triple-double and nearly pulling it off when no one, none of his teammates, not even his fellow Hall of Fame-bound teammates, are doing much to help him through the game. Um, this, is an, this is an unbelievable chapter 
of basketball that we have front row seats to, and I hope people can appreciate it outside of the vacuum of their own fandom. We're watching something historic happen once again, and it'll probably be many seasons between now and our next truly historically significant NBA moment. You know, we got a, a passing of a torch to a new generation of players, and this is probably the last round between, you know, two great once champion boxers trying to wrap up their careers with as much dignity and success as possible. Like, it's it's poetic, it's imperfect, but it's ours, and it's kind of awesome. Oh, I mean, it's a great show. I mean, it's a, it's a phenomenal show. I mean, the longevity of LeBron James is to be admired. I mean, it's amazing what he's been able to do. And then um, Steph Curry. I mean, in some ways... You know, I think of uh, Jordan being this this fulcrum player and, you know, obviously LeBron um, gets compared to Jordan a lot. But in some ways, Curry's had the more similar career, right? Jordan was drafted to a kind of a relatively bad Bulls team and stayed there basically his whole career, except for the Wizards portion, right. which the, the, the portion I don't even know. The career that mattered. <laughs> I don't think it even counts that. But, I mean, he basically was a Bull his whole life and um, – and 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 did it, you know, and, and found a way to win with role players. And obviously, Scotty was awesome, and these Horace, and they had other pieces. But he basically found a way to win uh, as the main cog in that in that deal. Where LeBron's kind of, you know, he had a little run in Cleveland, couldn't get it done. Then he's in Miami with the, you know, his handpicked team, uh, and then back to Cleveland, and now in L.A. And it's like. You know, he's he's trying to gather as many titles, but he's done it by kind of joining forces with other people and kind of looking for the best opportunity, surfing it like a wave where Curry didn't want to be a warrior. The Warriors were awful. They much more like Jordan stayed there his entire career so far with with uh, one team and has found a way to win championships on a number of different rosters. So and 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 is playing the best right now. That's the other part of this that's so frustrating. Is I feel like it, this, you know, I, I like Steve Kerr, <clears throat> and yet I feel like I want to be critical of Steve Kerr. I like Bob Myers, but I feel like I need to be critical of Bob Myers because I just feel like Steph Curry is naked out there, and he he should have been surrounded with more. And this is a team that the second pick in the draft, which is an unbelievable. Um, asset to have and to to basically waste that and then to waste a lottery pick and Jonathan Kuminga and have him get to this point in the season and he's a non-factor at the end of the bench you know only garbage time and then to see Moses Moody squandered his talent most of the year when he could have been playing in January and February right that guy no. could have been eight more wins this year had he actually gotten run right and it's like he couldn't get run why because Anthony Lamb needed run I mean it's like right the Who's Warriors total have, afterthought I'll tell you what so they're good, I was they're, looking they're good I mean I'm Steve's great but I mean come on Steve and right Myers is great but I mean Myers come on you what, what did you do with the second pick in the draft and some of these moves that they've made this year are just so baffling and to me they they left Steph totally naked here. Where who? What does he got right now? What does he have off the bench? The only guys they can depend on right now are Divincenzo and Kevon Looney. Right. You know, if, if Looney's and, coming and, and off right, the bench, Looney's a starter. He's only symbolically coming off the bench almost at this point. And I think they're going back to their natural starting lineup. The Jamichael Green gimmick 
lasted one game. It was effective for one game, and now the Lakers are all over it, and he shouldn't hit the floor again. That guy sucks. Um, To me, the single biggest sin, Larry, but real quick, while I'm I'm just thinking about it, get yourself a delicious sandwich at Ike's tomorrow, and then Ah, wash it up down with a little blackened whiskey, a nice little nightcap, if you will, which I have to take off because it covers up my face here when we do this together on the Hum and Home. Um, Larry, we always give love to sponsors here. That's why we are successful businessmen. Uh, Pig in the Pickle, tell me a little bit about uh, New York Sausage. How much did you grill up tonight? Ooh, yes. You know, I did, I did a, uh, I did, um, some stuffed mushrooms with the mild sausage, which I got in the casing, squeezed it out, diced it up and then put it with in, in stuffed mushrooms with some breadcrumbs and some, um, some herbs and so, oh, it was un freaking believable i'm a sausage repurposer myself i will take it out of the casing and do with it what i need little stuffing little this little that i'm similar cooking styles larry i like that well i'll tell you sausage is a very underrated part of stuffing there's no question oh it's it's a crucial part of it yeah sausage sage and onion yeah sir you're home you're home free you you almost can't screw it up at that point by the way, how about this? Real quick. Uh, yes. Speaking of home, uh, a guy named Ten Devils Thirty Three said, "Just finished golfing with my, uh, go- golfing uh, in Hayden, Idaho, and nice. uh, was missing that Bay Area vibe and is tuned in. We have someone else who's also listening to us from Idaho. So the home and home allowing people to feel closer to home. That's beautiful. That's what we're here to do, baby. Bring you a little slice of the bay." Uh, better than anyone, if you don't mind me saying. All right, so advertisers, we love you. Thank you very much. My biggest complaint, Larry, about any sort of roster mechanics or manipulation this year today, I put it on Andre Iguodala. Uh, Andre Iguodala has done nothing more than clap for the Golden State Warriors. But unfortunately, while he's clapping, he's occupying a roster spot. This old man who gives them absolutely nothing, sacrifices his body for nothing, is as well-rested a human being as we have on the planet right now, can't manage to suit up and give 15 minutes in Game 5? I mean, it's he's out of the question, out of just just injured. He might be available in the next round. There will be no next round. And there's probably going to be no next round because Andre Iguodala has been a waste of space all year. And if you're telling me that, well, he was really important to have around because he has really bestowed so much of his wisdom and his knowledge upon this team, it hasn't been reflected in the standings. This is the dumbest, most mistake-prone, stupid, veteran-laden basketball team you're ever going to see with the way that they screw up the same way over and over and over and over again. So whatever advice Andre has had for the team, it is in one ear, out the other, useless. They needed a player, not a guy to clap in street clothes. That, to me, is the single biggest roster sin. Because everything else was a shot you took and didn't even make. This guy isn't even a shot to take. He's a waste of space. And again, I don't care what wisdom he bestows. Your wisdom has actually lowered this team's basketball IQ this year. If it's Andre Iguodala, who's supposed to be the seer of all basketball truths, he hasn't helped them see shit. Yeah, but look what they're paying him. I mean, doesn't matter. He, they need the spot to play. They need a player. Oh, well, use Ty Jerome's spot. What about what about Anthony Lamb's spot? 
I don't know how I, to me, I'd love those guys to not have a spot either. But you know what? I mean, they, they have roster spots are not the issue. To me, I, I have no problem with the Igadala plan. Here's why. Because at the beginning of the year, I think Golden State had like five guys on their team that were 22 or younger. And you're trying to make sure you these guys transition to life in the NBA. And you've got a veteran there. I got no problem with that. He's what, got Steve rings. Kerr, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Bob Myers, Joe Lacob. There aren't enough. I'm here to hold your hand entities around this. We've got 15 coaches basketball team. Like, come on, man. No, no, I hear you. But, I mean, I, I, I'm okay with giving a roster spot to Iguodala. My bigger problem is the two standards. And it bit Kerr in the ass this year. He has two standards. Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and Andre Iguodala and Steph Curry, they have one standard. And then Kuminga and Moody and Baldwin and all these younger cool. guys have a different standard. And it's like that when you have two standards like that, then it's almost like you have two teams and that's what they have. I don't think they're a very united team. Um, I, I think there's been several indications of that. They can say what they want. I don't, I don't agree. I'm watching it every night. Um, it's clear that, that there's some disharmony. I think there's probably disharmony, not only on the players among the players, but even among the coaches, I get the feeling that Atkinson is rubbing people wrong. Um, I saw him look to ski came out with his iPad showed Kerr some stat looked disgusted, went and sat down. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that everybody's not on the same page, but it seems like it's possible. And as far as, as far as, um, the real problem is that there's nobody left. They've now gone through everybody. So it's like, you know, they've they, Jonathan Kuminga, they've already quit on Jonathan Kuminga. So they can't go back to him. He's done. Right. And um, basically, Jordan Poole is clearly mentally fried. They haven't been able to reach him. He's become less and less and less and less as the season, as the series has gone on. He doesn't get calls. And and he thinks he's Steph Curry at the three-point line. He's not. He is Steph Curry at the free-throw line, but he can't get to the free-throw line. He plays 10 minutes. He took two. He took uh, it zero free-throw attempts. Zero. He's well, one of the I mean, only he, guys on the team, Damon, that can actually beat anybody off the dribble, penetrate, and get in the lane, but he refuses to do it. Well, so the whole like, team is terrible at getting to the free throw line. All of them, including their Hall of Fame leader, Steph Curry. They're all terrible at it. They're not even they're not even just a little not good at it. They're they all are terrible. Getting to the line is a skill, and it's a skill that no one on this team has ever bothered to develop. And it's nuts. It's crazy how little they get to the line. And I mean, and, and Steph is going to the rim. He is attacking the rim. He is finishing around the rim all the time. And he still can't buy a call. Meanwhile, LeBron can run straight through his chest and nothing. It's uh it, it is a little bit of a two way street and the Warriors don't know how to drive down it. Looking at game five adjustments, Larry, I think I got one. I think it's absolutely insane and it's one of those it's so dumb it might work things. Go ahead. If I'm Steve Kerr because you got no more tricks to pull out of your sleeve. Gary Payton II, again, you started him, and Gary Payton II. I'd, I'd start him again. Well, here's the thing. You start him, but then how come he wasn't on Lonnie Walker at all in, in the fourth quarter? I don't I agree. understand that. I agree. Um, I, I talked about that last night. I, that's unbelievable. Gary Payton's got to do one of two things. He was the perfect ingredient to start because he allows you to play big and small fast and still be able to score inside. He can score in the lane at the rim or with little fakes. He's re actually really good at it. So he's a great guy to start. But in addition to starting him, Steve, 
He's got to be on the hot hand in the last five minutes of the game. Has to be. Has to be. And if the hot hand is is uh, D'Lo, then he should be on D'Lo. Look what look what he did on D'Lo. D'Lo was one for ten. Half. Yeah. Okay. So if if Lonnie Walker is the Heat guy who's hot and it was obvious that he was with about ten minutes to play, where's GP two on him? I mean. It's not, you know, this is what's so frustrating. The Warriors have the best offensive player in the world, and they have the best defensive player in the world, and they can't figure out a way to make it work for them. And that that's, they got, they got to work to get Steph Curry more looks. Why? Because, because Steph Curry's 35. And so now he needs you to work for him to get him looks. That's what they need to do on the offensive end. Steph needs to shoot it a whole lot more. Clay Thompson this this trying to dial it back to yesteryear. I love Clay Thompson. He's one of my favorites. Great respect. He no way the, those the one of the main reasons they lost this last game was his shot selection in the fourth quarter. And he's I mean, he's fading all over the place. He's he the Mr. Perfect the super deep three. What was the reason the, for that? And he's the square to the basket guy. And now his legs are all out from underneath him. He has no base of sh- – he's not shooting from his base position. The catch and shoot isn't what it used to be. He's jumping. He's kicking. His feet aren't – I mean, Clay Thompson should watch a video of himself from three years ago and watch a video of himself from this year. They look like two different shooters. This if, I was, if I was Kerr, I'd say to him, Clay, look, I'm not telling you I don't want you to shoot. I want you to shoot more but I want you to shoot more from two and less from three. And I want you to shoot no more super deep, deep threes and no more rushed threes. Right. Just, you know, unless, unless it's like last second on the shot clock, basically I want you to shoot high percentage twos. That guy in the mid range is so unbelievably high percentage. Those are the shots he needs to hunt the mid range two. And I know it sounds crazy because he's lived, he's been one of the great three-point shooters, but his efficiency on the three is not there. It's too streaky. They can't trust it. They got it. And his and his he's his shot is so pure inside the arc that I mean he, he's like KD in some ways from the elbow. I mean, he's he is very automatic in the mid-range if he would just take those shots. He's he's looking for threes, not twos. Yeah, he's, he's trying to dial it back to yesteryear. Yeah, yeah, he really is. Uh, I got him. Here's my crazy idea, and here's my adjustment. If I'm Steve Kerr, yep, for Game Five, this is going to sound nuts. I'm starting Jordan Poole. It's not nuts. You need him. I'm starting Jordan Poole. Yeah, some you got to jump start I'm, him. I'm, I'm leaning over and I'm saying you got six minutes to show me that you can play tonight. You've got six minutes, and you better make your next six minutes starting this game fucking jacker crack or cracker jack. You know, you better be on it. Your shots better be right. They better be falling. You better be a bucket. And if you're not, I'm giving you the leash, and you're not coming back in. You have. I, I would start him, Larry, to see if you're going to get anything because if he is not contributing offensively, he cannot play. It's just that simple. I was Curry. You know what I would say to him? I, I I love the idea of starting him because it's he needs an injection of confidence. This guy needs to be injected with some confidence. What I would say to him is, Jordan, I know there's no there's no bounties and we can't legally give you money, 
but I'm going to get Joe to give you a grand every time you drive full bore to the rim, cock it back like your jaw freaking Morant and just absolutely try to jam it on somebody. Um, grand every time you do that. Unless you fumble guess the ball on the happen. way to the rim. Unless you get, fumble the ball on right. the way to the rim. Guess what? Guess what's going to happen? You're going to the foul line. You're going to the foul line because nobody's going to let you yam on them all, all game. But you go try to do that and then go to the foul line, and guess what? I'll live with, with what, what you can do at the foul line. Live at the foul line. Attack the rim with a vengeance. No more settling for threes. Just attack and try to jam it, jam on everybody. And just and to me, it's the perfect solution because it gets him into that attack mode, and it's gets him out of the drift away threes. He's become this combination of bad Steph Curry impersonator and Larry Hughes. Right. He's like a drifting deep three brick. No, no, you're not Steph Curry at the three point line. Go look at the numbers. Do we need to show you the numbers? Um, attack the rim, go to the line, make free throws. If that guy does that alone, they got a great shot to 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 uh, they they got a great shot to win the series. But they are going to need thirty from pool. They can't they can't sit there with like you know. And what do he do? He's a total non factor in this last game. What do you have? He had um, no point. He played 10, 10 minutes. Oh no for four. 0 for 2 from 3, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, and no free throw attempts. How do you play 10 minutes and have the ability to beat people off the dribble like he does and have no free throw attempts? He's timid. He's ten, he, he's, he either doesn't like the contact or nobody's act, actually put a finger in his chest and just challenged him or he just per, way prefers threes or he's soft. I don't know what his issue is, but he needs to attack the rim and try to jam it and then go to the line, and make free throws. If he does that, I think they got a shot. I keep on saying that Jordan Poole is the 99-cent jack-in-the-box taco. He's equal parts disgusting, yet sometimes incredibly satisfying. And for that, we have East Bay Ricardo giving us uh, $2 to go get a few tacos at Jack in the Box. Thank you very much, East Bay Ricardo. Appreciate I would trade him in the offseason. Absolutely, I would trade him in the offseason. Well, you know, it, it depends on what you end up doing with Clay Thompson because if you don't trade him in the offseason, if, if Clay Thompson is really looking for a max deal, I am not paying Clay Thompson $46 million because I got good memories. If I'm Joe Lake, I've seen no, him. I mean, I don't, come on. I don't, is anybody? Is, is, there's not a max deal out there for Clay Thompson. I don't buy that. I, I really don't either, but uh, the Warriors, you know, will kind of like get this emotional heartstring compelled to do it. No, I don't no, think they can. Do I don't think they should. And honestly, Jordan Poole could be your starting two guard if Clay Thompson isn't back next year. Uh, and and trading him right now, what are you getting? Who is coming into Jordan Poole at that price point? What assets do you get? And is that asset? There'll be some team out there. I mean, I've heard you know big. I've heard all kinds of Tyler Hero's name got thrown out. People were throwing out monster deals involving Giannis. I mean, all kinds of. Carl Anthony Towns' name has been thrown out. I, to me, um, I'd be open-minded. I'd be open-minded to a move. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would look at any and all options. All good teams are always looking at any and all options, but I, I don't think you're going to get an awful lot of big people circling the wagons coming for, for Jordan Poole. He doesn't uh, play well with Curry, and Curry's your best player. So that, to me, is like game over. 
I, I, I like Jordan Poole better when Curry's out. Like he's like a great guy to have when Curry's not on the yeah. floor, but I don't like them together. And I think if you're really going to maximize and get Curry another ring, or if Curry's going to help be part of another championship team, I think the pieces have to fit. And I, I the chemistry is just not there. I, I would, you know, I would what trade that I'm on. demanding if I'm his, if I if I am Jonathan Kaminga's agent, I'm talking about trading my guy this off season too. I'm if I am on Team oh, yeah. Kaminga, I'm disgusted with the way that my player has been managed. Just disgusted. And 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 you know, look, I agree. The Warriors, you know, know things that we don't. They see things that we don't. Um, but the total elimination of any ability to play basketball, which is the evaluation that we're getting in real time, they do not believe he can play basketball. And that, to me, would be a deal breaker. And I would ask for a trade this offseason if, if I were Team Kaminga. I really would. By the way, glass half full guy, well, thank you so very, very much. Dropping a five-spotter in there tonight. He says that he would trade pool and whatever else to the Bulls for Zach Levine. If you're the Bulls, you're not doing that deal. You're not. You're well, you never know, Damon. I mean, everybody, you know, sometimes got teams want to reset on a certain player. The one thing about Poole is he's young and he's healthy, and there's a lot of big, big, you know, bloated contracts what around the What I didn't like NBA. is the sour grapes in the locker room. Like, I don't want to hear it. You know what I mean? I don't want to hear sour grapes in the locker room. He didn't want to talk to the media tonight. Like, you're, you're beyond that portion of your career. You're surrounded by professionals who do it the right way all the time. You should be absorbing a little bit of that. And, and you know, what do they owe the media? Players owe nothing to the media. I get it. I, I, I understand that. But it's a sign of maturity and professionalism. And to me, you know, he had one of the worst nights of his career last night. From beginning of the game, through the game, and after the game, he's the only, whole thing he's was had, an he's epic had one, failure. He's had one good game in the entire playoff run. One. There's more people in this live stream than he had good games in the playoffs or in the second round. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's just been horrible. I mean, the guy, he plays terrible defense, matador defense, and it's and it's all it's all lack of desire. How do I know that? Because he's got incredible quickness on the offensive end. He has no quickness at all on the defensive end because he doesn't care about defense. He doesn't want to play defense. He doesn't play defense. He's not the first guy who doesn't play defense, but he doesn't play any defense. So he's he's kind of half half the player, and then he runs hot and cold. And you always gotta you always gotta balance out like what is the player want to be and what is the player actually. And what he wants to be is this Steph Curry kind of remake, but that's not the strength of his game. And I don't know. Just seems like the other thing is in in a league where you're gonna you need to make your money beating people off the dribble, he has a horrendous relationship with the officials. So he gets no calls, none ever. Uh, so John, it's like it's a yeah. really bad combination. John here says Moody is your starting two guard next year. Look, I mean, I, I would want to agree with you there, but uh, they might decide that they don't like Moody for a four-month period of next year, too, because that seems to, to happen to that guy. You know, he's in the mix, and then you don't see him for three months. You sort of even forget he's on the roster, and then what do you know? He's logging big NBA playoff minutes out of absolutely nowhere. It's It's a weird organization when it comes to developing talent why they weren't able to just scratch any sort of pick and roll surface with james wiseman is another thing i'm never going to really quite understand um what a waste yeah i can pick in the draft massive ma massive disappointment there is no doubt about it um you know there's there's you know 
an awful lot of angry Warriors fans out there, and I, I get that you get angry in a moment. I will say this, though, as, as much as we are critical of Steve Kerr and, and uh, you know, are, are, are wondering what exactly, where they go from here, um, the fact that people are like, you know, Steve Kerr sucks at this. and all, Steve Kerr is one of the three great coaches that have ever gone to work in the Bay Area. It's Bill Walsh. It's Steve Kerr. It's Bruce Bochy. There's your list. And that's it. You know, John Madden, I guess, gets on the list. But that's it. That's it. It's a very short list. And Steve Kerr is so wildly successful a winner that don't let a bad night at the office make you forget who he is. I mean, the people who are just prisoners of moments, who are just overreactors, who cover the media. And I'll tell you, this whole, like, people who cover the NBA hate the NBA. And I'm sure you've seen that thought out there. There's a little truth to it. I mean, there really is. There's there's like no ability to look at anything and appreciate it for what it is. It's always, here's what it's not. Here's what it doesn't compare to. Here's who used to be better than that. Here's who might be better than that tomorrow. No one can talk about anything as it's actually happening anymore. Uh, this has been a challenging year for the Warriors. So for them to look challenged in the postseason and you'd be surprised by it means you're among the dumbest group of fans who are out there watching. And by the way, East Bay Ricardo has now thrown in a little burger and fries to go along with that taco for Jordan Poole. Thank you very, very much, East Bay Ricardo. Uh, it's um, it, it's Kerr's a great coach. Many- Come on, if if if, the, if tomorrow for whatever reason he was freed from his Warrior contract, there'd be like five other coaches in the league instantaneously fired, and there'd be a bidding war for Kerr, and he would get paid a record setting amount. So, I mean, this idea that he's a bad coach is in by, you know, you can say whatever you want because everybody's got an opinion, but there's no measuring stick. He's the U S Olympic basketball coach. Is there, Uh, he's got tons of rings as a player. He's got rings as a coach. He's got, there is no uh, measuring stick that equates that Steve, uh, Steve Kerr is a bad coach. He's absolutely stubborn, but that stubbornness has hung four banners as a coach. And but my buddy, my buddy, who's a you know owns All Star Donuts in uh, Walnut Creek, will Amen. be like CK. He'll say, he'd be like, man, they got a fire cur, man, they got a fire cur. <laughs> I mean, he said this. He was saying this, Damon, and then it was like literally the night the the Warriors won a title in there, and I'm like, CK, are you going to the parade? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, yeah, I think we may go. I'm like. I go, they still got a fire curry. He's like, yeah, man, I mean, he ain't the reason they want. Oh, my God. It was ridiculous. So uh, Nick there, Jay says all-star donuts is fire. So there you go. The guy might have <laughs> terrible sports takes, but very good donuts. He was uh, very again, good. Glass half full guy coming in with a five spot here. Thank you so much. Do you guys put any credence to Poole's performance being linked to Draymond punching him? Not anymore. I mean, not anymore. That's officially ancient history. I mean, what guys had for breakfast becomes ancient history. So what happened before the year even started? I'll tell you what, it's definitely a fracture, I think, in the team's connectivity and the relationship, and there is a little lingering. But, like, I don't want to hear it anymore. Like, I I, I don't want to hear it anymore. At this yeah. point in time, you can't be bringing up something that happened before the season starts. You are trying well, it's to not an, it's not a Yeah, it's not an excuse, that's for sure. I mean, it is not an excuse. But... um Absolutely, it's still impacting things. I mean, just think about the dynamic. There's only there's only eight guys in a playoff rotation. And we're talking about a very limited group here. And you're talking about a couple of the guys in the rotation, you know, throwing blows on each other. And maybe there being some some bad feelings still lingering, which I'm sure there are. You don't just drop somebody. 
And, you know, Steph's in the middle because he's got to play with both guys, but Draymond's his guy, and he plays off of Draymond geniusly. You could argue that that Steph needs Draymond more and more as, as his career, you know, yeah. wanes. And um, so he's you know he's sided with Draymond, and so you, th- that probably has created some distance, I would imagine, between Steph and Jordan. But it's it's not it has nothing to do with why they're losing. But um, but I don't you know I don't think everything's hunky dory. I don't think everybody is you know loving everybody uh, as uh, what from Jackie Moon from uh, Semi Pro. Everybody <laughs> love everybody. I don't think everybody loves everybody. No, everyone is not loving everyone. Uh, this is something totally changing the subject, and we can come back to Warriors and Lakers. Obviously, it's been the dominant headline and dominating all discussions. Um, you know, uh, Giants got a win tonight here, 4-1. It's a final. Casey Schmidt with a home run in his major league debut. So, you know, a little Giants creeping into the conversation, but it is a conversation that was hijacked by a racial slur, whether it was, you know, and, and I totally, I, I think that Glenn Kuyper, um I, I said this on the show the other day, Larry, if I were Glenn Kuyper, I wouldn't be ordering any Negronis in public because I just think he has trouble with words that start with N. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I don't know why, uh, he, you know, what came out of his mouth came out of his mouth. It is a massive verbal slip. But to me, the way people just want blood is is a little bit disgusting. Um I, I don't think that. Well, I mean, it's under, to me, a, it's understandable. A, it's understandable. Here's why. Because there's people that know him and they know that, A, this is so not Glenn Kuyper that it's like obviously just a misspeak and it has to do with more linguistic, his linguistic abilities than anything that's in his heart. The man carries no malice, which is why Dave Stewart and others have stood up immediately and been like, oh, come on. Glenn did not mean Larry, anything you by can't it. This hide was a racist on Aaron Oakland for two decades. The, the well, city wouldn't fall I'm just for saying it. I'm just saying. So there's the people that know Glenn that like myself who are like, absolutely. Um, there's no way in heck that Glenn Kuyper meant to hurt anybody. He, he butchered this. He should have corrected himself. He didn't. And I guess he's done it before um, and should have been corrected. But as far as just somebody like, I know there's, you know, some pe- sometimes, you know, people, sometimes you don't, I actually know this guy. I know that this guy is a, a great guy. There's nothing, no malice in his heart at all. At the same time, there's people who don't who are just hearing the what he said and hearing it again, in, you know, in a previous recording and are like, I know what I heard and I trust what I heard and I don't care what his explanation is. And I don't and he right. needs to go. No, it, and no, I so- and when I hear it, Damien, let me just say this. When I hear it, it's so uh, cl- it's such a clear um, gaffe. But but I know him. But for him. It's like it's there, and I do understand the people who have he has no goodwill with. He, they don't know anything about him, and they're just hearing that, and they're making the judgment on their own. And right. I don't blame them for making that judgment because, to me, that's the only judgment that you could make. So I understand what's going on here on both sides, but I just, I somebody who knows Glenn, I I just know that he's a he he's not a evil, hateful guy, and he meant absolutely nothing nothing by it. He absolutely. It was a mistake of how he spoke more so than anything. 
look, and and I'm you know I'm a broadcaster, man. I I have a pretty good command of the English language. There are a few words out there I just cannot say. I cannot say. I'll try. I can't say anonymity. Anonymity. I I almost did anonymity. I it it that word would trip me up no matter where I was. I to the point where I just take it out of the speech. Can't say it. I also can't properly pronounce the word pillow. It's not. It's it's supposed to be pillow. But to me, it's always been pillow. I can't. I just that's me. You go I, with the E. You go with the pillow yes, over pillow. pillow. I go with the pillow over the pillow. Anonymity and I, pillow. You nail are. It. I those are those are my trip words. I can't do it. When I was a little me, kid, I also Michael couldn't say Amon uh, Nui or whatever. Remember when Ted Robinson could just do it perfectly? Oh, he nailed it. from Arizona. Michael Amon Nui. Yeah. And I was, was like, wow, that Ted was very is impressive. Man. Very yeah. very impressive. Um, there are some words that you just need to avoid, and obviously the word Negro is a word that Glenn needs to just avoid going forward, figure out another way to say it. And by the way, like just the whole flabbergasted, I'm so deeply offended by that word, stop it. That word is omnipresent in culture. I don't care if it comes out of whose mouth. It's omnipresent in culture. You see it everywhere. You hear it everywhere. It's in every other song. It's in every other movie. It's every, the, the way that people just so react and clutch their pearls when they hear that word is, to me, uh, one of the most performative uh, scoops of bullshit in modern culture. Um, it's, it's, it's a real easy, low-hanging fruit way to go after everyone. And I've always said, white people, here's the deal when it comes to the N-word. Don't say it. Take the deal. And that's the right way to go about it. It is an offensive word. But the fact that words are now this level of forbidden and must end careers, like that's always going to bother me. It's always going to bother me. And I don't believe the right. Anyone has a right to an unoffended life. He totally fucked up and he deserves the suspension that he earned by totally fucking up. And then I do do believe he deserves to be brought back from that suspension. Now we go over all of that for me to get to this, which I saw on the chat a few minutes ago, and I was not listening, but MF says Dwayne Kuyper no commented about Glenn on KNBR this morning? It's his brother. Really? He said a no comment? He didn't defend his brother? That's kind of a dickhead move by Dwayne, straight up. Uh, you didn't defend your brother. Uh, Mike Kruko defended your brother. I, I heard a soundbite of Mike Kruko talking about how the whole thing was, you know, totally unfortunate, and he understands why people were offended, and he hopes that he can, you know, people will give this guy some grace and allow him back. And, you know, and, and like uh, Mike Kruko had more to say than Dwayne did about his own brother? I mean, what is he just chalking it up to? There's nothing I can say to fix the situation? I mean, maybe, but to no comment that? That's... Maybe he felt like anything he said would be twisted or turned, but um, if it was my brother, I would say I'd have some prepared thing to say, and I would say what yeah, I wanted to say. I would have said he didn't mean to say it. I know that in my heart, and if you think you should go fired, you can go fuck yourself. That's what I would yeah. say. I mean, I would well, defend my brother over anyone's outrage. Yeah. No, I mean, he knows what he knows. It was a misspeak. I think if I was, if it was my brother who misspoke, um, I would say my brother has no malice in his heart. My brother loves everybody. I just say my brother's and, an idiot. <laughs> and no, I just, my, my brother loves everybody and there's no malice in his heart. And he really, and, and he, and he, he may need linguistic lessons. 
Um, and he may need to not attempt to say certain words. Uh, and he may want to slow down when he's saying certain words so that he enunciates them correctly. But I can, I honestly believe in my heart of hearts that my brother meant no ill will and would never use that word. And you that's all an I would F, say. And F John Fisher here getting uh, uh, into the super chat. And indeed that guy deserves it. Larry, I did kind of want to wrap back around though. Yeah. With the A's because really, um, not not trying to clear the room are you trying to clear the room but just no look what is happening in las vegas to me is one of the most delicious turns of events and i really hope it happens i hope john fisher has nowhere to go and nowhere to stay all at the same time i i could see the a's playing five more years minimum at the coliseum minimum i mean they 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 have botched any sort of level of public funding apparently um in vegas enough and vegas is not waiting their open arms north should they and i'm hearing from people in vegas my friends jt the brick and joe fortenbaugh and people who live there now are telling me that the conversation is quickly pivoting to you know we would like to be a major league baseball town but we want our own team we don't want that guy's garbage and bad faith business dealings defining our entry into Major League Baseball. If I'm Las Vegas, I am a thousand percent waiting to be named as an expansion city before I want the A's and their problems and their nomadic history and all that stuff. I, I Are you a hundred percent confident you're gonna get that nod? A billion percent. You're a hundred percent confident baseball. you're gonna get that nod and, and how long? Major League Baseball. Three years, five years. Look at it this way. Now that we all know that it's open for business, the business of Major League Baseball will find Las Vegas the very next time it expands. Period. Where would where would they actually put a team? Back in Montreal? Probably not. Virginia or the Nashville area? That feels like it could be a possibility. And then it's Vegas. I mean, it, it Vegas. There is no other city on the West Coast that you would even think about. But I mean, that's the thing. Vegas isn't even a West Coast city, to be totally honest. But close enough to just call it that. Uh, Ve- Vegas makes sense. Vegas is a booming business that doesn't need to be ruined by a guy who has. A, look, look, you know who doesn't do well reputationally in Las Vegas? Cheap screws. And Jonathan Fish, John Fisher's reputation being the cheapest screw in the in the drawer is hurting them going and nobody wants them there except john fisher wants in but he's so gone about it the wrong way they're just terrible at what they do that guy is the worst owner in sports history i mean he's really gunning for that title he truly is and the irony is that he's so rich and yet and they've had such a strong baseball department so in some ways he's like an ideal owner he's insanely rich and he stays out of the baseball operations department for the most part as far as development. But, yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, you could have built your stadium um, three times over and never never felt uh, any of it because you're that wealthy. And instead, you're just so, you know, you're so paralyzed by the, the need to have somebody else's money being spent on this that you're going to leave uh, an incredibly profitable market um, to go to a much smaller market that's much more speculative. 
Um, it just it's it's short term. It's really it's bad. It's bad for the long term best interest of the game to have a team in Las Vegas over a second team in the Bay Area. The the A's just need to be sold. I mean, tomorrow if the A's were sold from the John Fisher to Joe Lacup, they would they would have bigger crowds immediately. People are oh, there who are yeah. fans of baseball. They're just now protesting John Fisher. So this like oh nobody wants us. No no you created. You're, you made yourself a villain in your own town and told everybody you were leaving for so long, and eventually they listened to you. Vince Vargas, glad Fisher's reputation has caught up to him. Baseball fans can see what's going on. By the way, speaking of getting rich, boom, a diller from the postman in Capitola. Thank you so much. Uh, look, it's just it, – it's, it's nuts. Somebody says, what about expanding to – Tijuana or Mexico City. Here's the deal. After watching that first game between the A's and Padres, there can never be a major league team in Mexico City. That 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 place is what two thousand feet above Coors Field. It is a yeah. launching pad. So that just. You, I mean, you though can't... I do love watching the games there. It would be fun to watch games there because it's it's home run derby. But I mean, it, it it would be fun to see a game there like every week. Like, hey, home run derby from from uh, Mexico City because every ball in the air went out. It was an incredible game to watch. Well, it was like 14 to 11. What's that? The next day, though, that didn't happen. It was a normal baseball score the next day, so it doesn't always happen. It doesn't always happen. That first game was was ridiculous. It really was. Drive to left. And, And it's like nothing was like just got over either. Everything was deep, way out. Yeah, I mean, that's like 2,000. Um, feet above Denver, you know, and Denver's already talking about the humidor and, you know, how baseball doesn't work in Colorado. Well, you know, but it would be great. I think it would be great. It would be incredible. Somebody uh, glass half full again. Dude, coming in with another five spotter. Thank you so much. Glass half full. Thank you so much. He'll make it rain on you. There is no one to buy the A's. Is there no one? Joe Lacob, Larry Ellison. A's deserve a good owner. Who cares? Look, it might have been Joe Lacob. But Lou Wolf got his buddy Bud Selig to sell it to him. Lacob said he had a deal done. It would have been amazing. And they're not for sale. And they're not for sale because baseball has allowed these, these, these rules that will allow the owners to carve out a nice, tidy profit for themselves while basically sucking beyond belief. And so it, it, and then as the rest of the teams compete uh, that because there's a league and there's only so many teams in the league, the A's value goes up just by being in the league. Right. And so John Fisher has made huge amounts of money in, you know, he has it been a successful run. Well, hell no, but it, it has been a financial successful run enormously financially successful i mean he, he's made a ton of money it's financially that successful because he's decided to pocket all earnings instead of putting it back onto the field or sign free agents or pay major league salaries i mean he has sabotaged his own team for his profit and the fact that he gets to sit there and enjoy profit while a guy who spent a ton of money like you know what steve Cohn in new york city uh, not that he's got much to show for it right now. The Mets are no great shakes with all the money that they spent. Um, but Major League Baseball would rather punish owners who spend and continue to reward owners that do not 
then flip the script on that and actually let owners who really care about winning win without making it as hard as possible on them. That's what baseball does. It it's it is. We're closer to, to having a salary cap, and we have certain things that make a salary cap than we are in establishing a salary floor, and that's really the issue. You're allowing teams to like bottom out at the bottom and just be like, hey, while making a profit. So that's the worst part because they're making a profit. You know, the John Fishers of the world, these guys are making 40, 50 million dollars profit on their disastrous season. What business in America could you run so poorly that you basically run it into the ground and that you could make a 50 million dollar profit? And that's just your that's your in that's your actual cash flow profit. Your paper pro- profits even greater than that because as the league as these other teams are competing, the league overall's value is greater. And so the value of your franchise is going up as well. Speaking of the value of the franchise, Chris says, DB, when is Plus merch coming out? I need a T-shirt and a sweater as soon as possible. Oh, look, it's it's a, it's a two, merch, man. two-person army over here. I mean, Larry, you've been on the air for over a year doing this now. Have you got merch besides the Krug Show T-shirt? No. I mean, the Krug Show, Krug Show T-shirt. But you know what? I am talking to a company right now that is going to be doing all of my merch and it's a great deal because they handle it all. They nice. handle it all. I don't have to do it. I don't have to communicate with anybody. No Venmos, no nothing. Just, you know what? They're going to get the Krug Show t-shirts, hats. It's, it's, uh, here we go. By the way, take Krug's crew coming in. Just, Ray Lord 84. There you go. The crew is assembled. Hey, uh, make sure you hit like, and subscribe. Hit like and subscribe. Uh, if you are following Larry, boy, I sure hope you plan on subscribing to me as well. If you're subscribing over here and not to Larry, what is wrong with you? You're going to want to go ahead and do that uh, as soon as this show is over. And indeed, smash the like button. Oh, here we go. Home and home merch. Eh? Yeah. Hey. You know what? You know what? I need a new home and home uh, uh, title card for when we come into this. It shouldn't say Damon Bruce. It needs to have its own thing. Oh, th- by the way, wife is tuning in. We will have merch soon. Stay tuned. Thank you, Jillian. I can't believe you're actually watching wow. this. There must be nothing on TV right now. Um, let's wrap up with this, Larry, because I know Jillian, who is uh, off to the fabulous metropolis of Fresno on a business trip tomorrow. And so what's what's happening to your kid? You're going to watch the kids? Are they going to even be around? Will they so, make it through the weekend? So no, 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 no. It's just it's just an overnight. So she's not going to be going long, <laughs> thank God. Uh, but we're bringing in some grandparents so I can get to Chase Center tomorrow night. Uh, so oh, they're going to do you. school. They're going to do school pickups, and then instead of it being uh, Daddy Boys Day, it needs to be Daddy at Game Five night. So I'm going to get over there watch through at least halftime and then get back over here to tap them out and then make sure everyone's to bed. And then I'm going to be hopping on YouTube and doing some post game of my own. Then I tell you what, Larry, I'll shoot me an invite tomorrow. And I when will. I'm done wrapping up with me. I will join your join nine the hour crew. long. Oh uh, yeah. Marathon. I mean, it's just going to be, I mean, there's people that are screaming at each other. It gets very, it gets very testy. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good group, but it's a tough group. Well, good. When I come aboard, you mute the amateurs and you and I will have a conversation. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, I will uh, I will absolutely hang out with you tomorrow night. Thank you so much good. for hanging out with us here today. Larry, let's wrap up with this. Do you know whose birthday it was today and whose birthday it actually is today? No. Fill me in. So today 
would have been Tony Gwynn's birthday. And all I can tell you is that if you want to go down one of the single great sports rabbit holes of all time, just go ahead and start looking up Tony Gwynn stats. Just look at Tony Gwynn stats and what he has done and just 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 records and strikeouts. And do you realize that in Tony Gwynn's entire career, we're talking 19, 20 major league seasons, he had one three strikeout game. Wow. Wow. Uh, The Tony Gwynn stats are just the best. One of my favorite Tony Gwynn stats ever is he could have gone. Oh, for his last thousand plate appearances and still been a career 300 hitter. That's how great he was. Um, Just go down, do yourself a favor tonight. If you're a baseball fan, if you're a sports fan, smoke a joint and go down the rabbit hole of Tony Gwynn stats. You will be there for an hour and it will make you happy. Another happy birthday, Larry, to today, someone who's still with us. Don't quite know what he represents, though. It's Trey Lance's 23rd birthday today. Trey there Lance, 23 years old. What would you say his future really holds with the San Francisco 49ers as it stands tonight, Larry? It's a great question. I I mean, I think his future is really, really bright. I just don't think it's going to be here. I, I, I do think um, they're going to commit to Brock and move Trey at some point. But you never know. You never know. I mean, you know, I think I think people want to see Trey play and the idea of Sam Darnold uh, playing over Trey is not attractive to a lot of people. I personally just don't believe Sam can beat out Trey this summer. So I think we are going to see Trey in week one. Um, But. You know, Rappaport, who knows what his report is, if he's if he's uh, you know what he meant by that. You know, he made he's looked bad in the last 24 hours because it makes it look like he's just reporting that guys are going to be traded without any sources. But he's something tells me there's probably some source. He just doesn't want to say who his source is and he doesn't want to out them in any kind of concrete way. So he did say people in the building. I got pushback, but didn't mean that the GM is you know it could be anybody in the building saying right. hey this or that so i think Trey Lance is going to be a good quarterback i think it's going to take a little while um my guess is it takes probably at least 2 years before he's really playing the best ball of his career but i think his high end potential is really strong so i hope it's here Who i hope have it's a here a better career two total unknowns jordan love or trey lance i think trey lance i think trey lance is a better prospect than jordan love but Jordan Love's in a great situation with a fa- fantastic organization. There's nobody competing for his job. He's the guy. He inherited it. They're gonna. He's going to have a chance to play right away, make mistakes right away, learn from those mistakes. So, I mean, he's in a very advantageous position. Can I, can I tell you my Tony Gwynn story, by the way? Please. So, 1998, I'm traveling with the Giants. I'm working at KMBR. Uh, they, Agnew's like, I want you to go on this road trip. They're going to San, San Diego. You'll love it. I was like, okay. So I go down there and I'm doing weekend shows uh, with Chris Townsend. And um, and so I go into the clubhouse on Friday and I'm like, um, go up to Tony Gwynn, whatever time it was, three o'clock, something like that. And I'm like, Tony, how you doing, man? I'm Larry Kruger. I'd love to do an interview with you. I do the pregame on the weekends. 
on KMBR with Chris Townsend. This like, oh, shucks, Larry. I'd be happy to go ahead and talk to you. He's like, he, 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 he goes, he goes, Hey, nice to meet you. And, and he's, and he's grabbing stuff out of his locker and he's moving fast. And you know, this lot, this clubhouse had like Ken Caminiti. It had Ricky Henderson in it standing two feet away and Greg Vaughn. Anyway. So, um, so he's like, you know, I can't do it right now. I can't do it right now, but I'll tell you this. He goes, how much time do you need? And I go, well, I'd love to do, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes with you if you have the time. And he's like, okay, you know, I don't have the time right now, but how about this? If you show up tomorrow at 7 a.m. standing right here, we'll do that interview for you. How about that? And I said, okay. And he's got to go now. I got to go now. And he takes off and I'm standing there and I'm like kind of looking at myself going, did I just agree to be here tomorrow at seven o'clock in the morning to uh, interview Tony Gwynn? And I'm like, is he going to show up? And I'm kind of looking and all of a sudden I'm looking over and Ricky Henderson staring right at me. And he's like, he's like, are you going to show up? And I said, it sounds like I should. And he's like, he's, he's serious. He will give you that interview at 7. AM. He will be here at 7. AM. He's a, Tony's a hundred percent serious. Ricky when he seen says, Tony make commitments before Ricky knows yeah, it's going to happen. He starts, he's like really out of me. He's like, he's like, you better be here tomorrow at seven because he's going to be here. He is going to be here. And I said, okay, all right, I'll be here staying at the hotel across the street. So, okay. So Saturday morning, get up early, get over there and, uh, barely could even get in the stadium. And I get into the clubhouse and it's just dark clubhouse is dark there's maybe like one light on and nobody's there and i'm like god dang it i go you know i i i blew this i go he was just screwing with me maybe ricky was screwing with me i'm like <laughs> god dang it so i start walking out and uh i hear this guy go young fella and my and i look over and it's some trainer or something he's like he's like are you here for are you here to talk to tony and i said yeah and he goes, he said, go meet him at home plate. I said, okay. So I go, where's home plate? He's like, oh, down here, take a right. So now I'm walking through. I'm like, oh, okay. I get out there. It's Jack Murphy Stadium, super early in the morning, beautiful morning in San Diego. Tony Gwynn and Greg Vaughn, and they're just hitting off a tee, just hitting off a tee at home plate. And um, he, he sees me. He's like, oh, I didn't think you were going to come. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, I, I thought you, I, I, Ricky told me I needed to show up anyway. So, uh, he's like, he starts talking to me about what he's showing Greg Vaughn and what they're working on. He's like, you want to talk about what we're working on? I'm like, yeah, what are you working on? He's like, Greg's been hitting the bottom half of the ball and he's popped up four times in the last how many days, you know? And then he's like, uh, he's like, he just needs to do this and he stay on top of the ball and he'll drive it out. And, and so he's like, we're just working on it. And, um, you know, Greg Vaughn, super strong, hitting all kinds totally. of bombs. And then, you know, uh, so we, you know, he's like, if you wait around a couple more minutes, I just want to finish up with him. So, uh, finished, he finished up, comes over, we sit in the dugout. He got a cup of coffee, sadly put a dip in, you know, of course right. <laughs> he was a big dipper, uh, which ultimately killed him. But he, but, um, you know, sat down in the dugout and gave me like a half hour and we just sat there and talked about baseball, about his brother, about playing basketball at San Diego state, about playing baseball in his hometown about ted williams about you know um jerry coleman uh san diego military town i mean it was just it was unbelievable dude and it was all because you know he's like you know told me to show up on his schedule and 
I did. And, you know, it's amazing now. I mean, it's, you know, that's the one thing. I mean, I, Tony was just an incredible person who just happened to be the greatest hitter I've ever seen. The, but what an incredible person he was. The ultimate Cub killer. I mean, he murdered. I grew up a Cubs fan, as you know, and I would watch WGN twice as hard when they were playing the Padres because there was this little blob of a guy who just hit and hit, just screaming line drives and doubles all over Wrigley Field. I mean, no one, not it, Greg Maddox couldn't throw it past him. Nobody. You could not throw yeah. the ball past Tony Gwynn. He would hit it. Uh Again, what a what a great rabbit hole. What a great story, Larry. That was that was fantastic. K and BR, uh, the only trip they ever officially sent me on was when Barry was trying to, you know, take down the Henry Aaron record and I got to Los Angeles. They've had a three game series in LA when Barry was sitting on seven fifty five, you know, seven fifty four wherever he was. Um so we go to LA for a three game series. He doesn't leave the yard. He gets to San Diego and in I think the second or third game of that series, he hit the home run to tie, and Bud Selig puts his hands famously in his pockets, that motherfucker. And uh, and and then they came back, and obviously he passed 756 at home, which was great because of the you know ovation and how much it meant to San Francisco. Um, but yeah, the only KNBR paid me to go cover the Giants on the road was a West Coast trip down to L.A. and San Diego, and Bonds was sitting on it. What? What made them pack you up and send you and Townie to San Diego? Was it what what what, what year did you say it was? It was ninety eight. It was a big series. The right. Giants and the Padres. The the ninety eight Padres year, went to the World the Series. Year, yeah, it was an yeah. August series. Uh, might have been a might have been Fourth of July weekend actually okay. because it was um there was a big fireworks show. It was like Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday day, Saturday day, Sunday day. Somewhere in there was the Fourth of July, um, and it was a big you know series for the giants at that point. Cause that giants, you know, had won the division in 97. They won it in, in, uh, or I guess they Padres won the world series or won the, uh, national league pennant, I should say in 1998 and lost to the Yankees. lost to the Yankees. So that was a great pod. That was one of the greatest Padre teams of all time. And the only home, the, the only ballpark existing ballpark that Tony Gwynn had not homered in was Yankee stadium. And he hits a home run in that world series upper deck, upper yeah. deck. Re and it was an incredible moment. It was an incredible time for the Padres. I can remember their big fireworks show that weekend. They had Caminiti roll in on a chopper. And, you know, at that point, Trevor Hoffman's closing. They got the hell's bells. Right. And it was just quite the show, man. San Diego's, you know, it's funny for a team that's never won a world series. They really have had, a lot of highs and a lot of lows. And like right now they're on they're sky high. They got a terrific team. That place is totally jumping. Uh, but man, they've had lean years and they've had big years and yet they haven't climbed the mountain and won at all. You know who they don't have? The mighty Casey. He plays for your San Francisco Giants. Casey Schmidt, his major league debut, a win for the Giants, a home run in his second career at bat. And uh, some good feelings out at the ballpark. They could use all of them that they could get, obviously. And uh, they are a delightfully average baseball team materializing right in front of us. So we will uh, start to turn our attention, I'm sure, more to baseball, Larry, because you and I still love the sport somehow, some way, even though it's abused us in our lives. Uh, we still love the sport of baseball. I'm sure we'll be back into it. But it was great getting together with you tonight to talk about the state of the Warriors 
adjustments that they need to make ahead of game five, which they obviously they got to have game five and then go take a shot down in L.A. in game six and see if you can actually force a game seven. It would be a glorious chapter at the end of their dynasty. And it, it look at it this way. They are not going to win an NBA championship. Having to go seven games and seven games in a row is going to take enough starch out of them to lose in the Western Conference Finals against either Denver or Phoenix, no matter how they get there. Uh, they, they, they're just not going to have the gas to, I think, get through that step of the, the process, too. So this is essentially this is, this is essentially the NBA Finals for the Warriors right here. Can they just get past the Lakers? Can they get past the Lakers? Um, I don't think so, but it should be fun watching them try. Yeah, I don't think so either because it's just a bad matchup, and it's just they could have done it if they had brought everybody along, but they didn't. You know, they left they left Kaminga behind, and you know they they haven't been able to keep pool. You know, they didn't get everybody peaking. I mean, if you want to call that Kerr's fault, you want to call it Meyer's fault, you want to say it's nobody's fault, it's just the way it all, you'd be one of those people. It's nobody's fault. It's uh, nobody's to blame. Um, but the reality is, is that Jordan Poole's an enormous talent, and he's not playing well right now. And Jonathan Kuminga has absolutely monstrous talent, and he's a zero. And you just don't get you know, you're you don't have a a ninety man roster. This isn't a, you know Georgia football. So yeah, Georgia football. You you know four of your five star guys all lay an egg. You go to the next guy and you win anyway. Have in, you ever thrown up in your own mouth? How long do you think you could hold it if you did? Well, it depends how much. Right, and uh, what it is. I mean, yeah. I mean, nobody likes. It's a it's a terrible it's a terrible feeling though. I can't believe he just didn't run over and spit it into a towel. Like he, he did, he try to go to the bathroom. Did he just let that fly into a garbage can? I don't know. I, was, I, I don't need to know more. I just, I'll just say that he, you know, good luck to him. Good luck. Good luck to all your <laughs> vomitous future. Uh, Kevin luck. Brown was the ace uh, on that Padres team. He was, yes. and then he got interested in big Colorado money and school districts. <laughs> yeah, Andy Ashby, I think, was on that team. Yeah, that yeah. that was a great team. I mean, that was a yeah. really, really good team. Always a pleasure, my man. Thank you so much. A little Absolutely. home and home with Damon Bruce and Larry Kruger. Sports talk from the Bay Area just can't get better than that. And we bring it to you on YouTube as often as we can. Always a pleasure, my friend. After I wrap up with a little uh, post tomorrow, shoot me an invite and I'll come and join you as well. Sounds good. We'll see you there. There he is. Larry Kruger, boys and girls. He is the best. He is our friend. He is your friend. Make sure you subscribe to him. Make sure you subscribe to me. You hit that like button and everybody goes to bed happy. Thank you so much for tuning in. Ooh, how about this? A little great show. Jingle jangle on the way out the door. John, thank you so very, very much. The home and home does indeed rock. And uh, what a nice way to end it right there. Really appreciate it. Thank you so very much to all of you for tuning in tonight. Uh, men and off a lot. I'm back on the air at 11 a.m. tomorrow morning, getting you ready for game five. Then I'll be on the air after game five. And we will have an awful lot for you right here on the Plus. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thanks again to Larry. Thanks to all of you. And please do remember that sports don't build character. They reveal it. Good night.